0: What are some of the programs that the top RIA custodians are working on to improve their diversity? Why does every wealth management firm think they're diverse, but none of them really have a plan to implement it? And how is artificial intelligence both a cause of and also a way to solve some of our biggest diversity problems? These questions and more will be answered on this episode of It's on Wealth Tech for the Wealth Management Today podcast. Welcome, everyone to the It's On Wealth Tech podcast from Wealth Management Today. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, and I'm the founder and CEO of Ezra Group, a consulting and research firm that helps wealth management companies make better technology and business decisions. I'm honored to present this episode where I was able to lead a discussion with four leaders in wealth management technology who all happen to be women. The topic is one of the most important ones in our industry today. And it's about diversity. What are the systemic problems in our industry? How are these problems manifesting themselves? And what are some of the leading firms doing to improve the situation? Uh, This episode was recorded at the T3 Advisor Conference on our mobile podcasting rig and was originally scheduled for just 8 to 10 minutes like all the other interviews and it was going to be packed in with a bunch of other people uh, in our uh, consolidated or in our compilation uh, episodes. And I decided that wasn't good enough. We needed more exposure for this topic. So I made an executive decision and turned it into a full podcast episode on its own. Here it is uh, presented to you. Uh, I hope you enjoy it. I hope you, uh, after you listen to it, you uh, provide some comments and feedback and share it widely with your networks. So here we are, the uh, Leaders in Wealth Management Technology. And my next guest is more than one guest on the podcast. We have four guests. It's packed in here. We're packed in like sardines, but we're going to do this because we care about 2-3 conference and getting the word out. Uh, In the room with me are Suzanne Syracuse, CEO and founder of Suzanne Syracuse Consulting Services. Say hi, Suzanne. Hi. Uh, Lisa Burns, head of platform technology for Fidelity Institutional. Say hi, Lisa. Hello. We have Danny Fava, Director of Innovation at TD Ameritrade Institutional. Danny. Hello. Hey, Danny. Christina Townsend, Managing Director and Head of Platform Strategy for Advisor Solutions, BNY Mellon Pershing. Hi. And last but not least is Lauren Wilkinson, VP, Digital Advisor Solutions, Schwab Advisor Services. All
1: right. Hi. Glad to be here.
0: So happy you guys are here. So we're going to jump right in. No intros. People can Google you if you want more information. Uh, you guys are doing a panel later today. We're going to get a little preview, a little sneak my little taste of it. Uh, So tell me a little bit about, um, Suzanne, I guess, Uh, what's what's moving the needle on creating a more diverse industry and why is it important?
2: So, well first I'd like to talk about the, um, how come this panel came to be. So this is the first time at T3 that there is a women leaders in tech panel. Um, And I've been doing some work with Joel Bruckenstein, the founder of T3, and we talked about all of the different things that have been happening in the industry and specifically last year with some incidents that happened at events and how it was really critical for um, industry conferences to step up and to focus a little bit more on inclusion and not just the same old speakers. And so uh, I worked with Joel and we came up with this amazing list of women. And the cool part was it wasn't hard to find women leaders in technology you just have to ask them if you know where to look if you know where to look exactly and so we went to four of the leading firms in the space Um, I happen to know all of these women both by name and personally and we're just really lucky to have them all here and want to participate and and their firms saying that they wanted them to participate so I wanted to just kind of talk about how this came to be we also are having a reception after the panel um, to really celebrate women and inclusion within mm. the um, fintech space.
0: That's terrific. I'm looking forward to that. Great. So what are some of the programs or initiatives you think are actually making a difference here? And who wants to take that, Lisa, Lauren, and Christina?
3: So it's Christina. I guess I would just share, um, there's a number of programs that I think you know many firms are running these days, whether they're... A women's group or any sort of business resource group. Um, We have a reverse mentoring program that's looking at bringing in the next generation and how we can learn from them. I think what's more important though than the specific program is how it's built and what are the characteristics. So we really focus on making sure that all of our work ties directly to and supports our business strategy because ultimately that's what it's about. It's about diversity driving a better business outcome. Uh, So that's one really big focus. The other thing is we're trying to learn along the way one thing that we're really passionate about is that i think women are over mentored Mm -hmm. and under sponsored Mm -hmm. and so mentors i think it's a little bit more of a a nice relationship and the sponsor is the one who's going to move the needle for you so it's things like that right
1: it's more things like that that you want to focus your programs on i think to be the most successful That's
0: excellent
1: i can jump in here next um So at Schwab, we've done quite a bit of research on the overall evolving demographics uh, in the United States, and some interesting statistics that stand out here, um, 48% of millennials uh, are non-white, actually, sorry, 43% of millennials are non-white, and 48% of millionaires are women. And I think, you know, when you hear those demographics, you just, you know, it it becomes really important that we think about diversity and make sure that... um, you know, d- diversity is not just good, uh, you know, for, for social reasons. It's good business to make sure that we have a diverse variety of, um, you know, of perspectives at the table. Um, and some of the programs that we have done at Schwab to help uh, registered investment advisors with diversity, uh, we have a program called RAA Talent Advantage, um, where we help advisors. Uh, think about diversity uh, proactively in terms of hiring and also creating an inclusive workplace once uh, people are, are hired. Um, and then additionally, we have a benchmarking study where we help advisors uh, see where do they stack up relative to other firms in terms of uh, demographics and diversity.
0: So I, was, I heard from Suzanne about a, a panel at the FSI conference <laughs> uh, from senior women in space. So Lisa, can you talk a little about the importance of self-advocacy?
4: I can. So I'm going to echo what Christina said, which is that conversation started with, let's talk about mentoring. And we said, well, you know, mentoring is great, and it is really nice on a personal level to help move your career forward, but sponsoring is sponsorships are what really start to move the needle. And then we had an interesting dialogue around sponsors are, are important, and they absolutely do make a difference, but really women need to be able to advocate for themselves and the value of self-advocacy, you can do a great job but if people don't know about it and you're not making it known what you're doing and importantly what your career objectives are, then you can't leave it up to other people. And then we talked about the fact that self-advocacy, sponsorship, mentorship is all good on a personal level but as we look at this industry and think about how to scale that, programs like allyship are really something that can happen at scale so getting so allyship right a member of the majority helps to understand and move forward the underrepresented classes so as you think about women talking to women it's probably not enough in this industry to move the needle at scale we need to invite men into that conversation and programs like men as allies can help us there
0: we're hearing a lot about artificial intelligence and how Technology fits in, how it fits in, but how does artificial intelligence fit into the DNI picture?
5: So I'll take this one, Craig. Um, this is a really interesting thing that's sort of happening, and I, th- I think what's what's happened in a couple of cases is that artificial intelligence has actually shed light on um, problems that have existed for a very long time. And just quickly, how artificial intelligence works is that. You know, you're you're training um, basically a machine to make decisions and to mirror the decisions that it makes based on what humans have done in the past. So you take a bunch of data and you load it up into this machine and you say, "Learn from this data and then replicate my decisions." So what's been really interesting that has happened in a couple of cases, namely Amazon um, with resumes, right? So Amazon tried to automate and apply artificial intelligence to resume picking or selecting. And what they found after training the machine with all the data that they gave it is they found a flaw. They found that, wow, we have been picking men's resumes over women's in a large number of cases disproportionately um, due to, you know, who knows, maybe their stronger language or just some some other kind of resume writing skills that men possess and, and women are just different. However, what artificial intelligence has really done is it's shown us that we have a problem. And the same thing then happened with Apple Card and giving um, credit credit limits to men and women. And in some cases, it was the husband and wife who got different credit limits. And that really sheds a light on how flawed the human decision-making process has been. So a lot of people ask me, you know, do you see artificial intelligence perpetuating this problem? And that's a great question, um, and, you know, I'm not so sure, but what I do see is that it is bringing a lot of awareness to what we've been trying to <laughs> prove for uh, quite some time.
4: I just yeah, it's
0: I just backing up a lot of the things you new inherently.
4: Yes. Mm -hmm. just want to add another interesting way that um, AI or machine, sorry it's Lisa, (laughs) uh, machine learning is being used at Fidelity, so we are, so before actually getting in the resumes, we're using machine learning to scan every one of our job postings to make sure that the language, exactly as you said, the language that we're using in our postings is actually welcoming to all. great
1: idea. And we've actually begun doing, this is Lauren, we've begun doing something similar at Schwab, um, so it's really helping.
2: You know, just to jump in, a couple years ago, um, when I was at Investment News, we partnered with Schwab on a really fantastic white paper on advancing women in leadership, and it talked about, like, having, if you want different results, you have to change the strategy. So, to think, like, oh, I want to hire a more diverse culture, more, a different talent type of talent into... Our firm, well, in order to do that, you can't keep doing the same things. You can't use the same language. You can't advertise in the same places. You can't reach out to the same network. And so it all is this vicious cycle. And like, unless you start to break the cycle, nothing's going to really change. And and it does work if you if you you just have to be dedicated to do it.
4: A couple other ideas just for people who are thinking about how to do that. One of the things that we do when we have senior leader positions or even managers in up we actually mandate a diverse panel. So the final panel needs to have diversity on it. The interview panelers need to be a diverse panel because you hear different things depending upon your point of view and your perspective. So diverse panels, it's generally it's gonna be more people because we wanna get some people that are outside of the box and may not fit all of the criteria. I mean, studies have shown that women are less likely to apply for a role unless they check all the boxes, whereas um, men, counterparts, are willing at 60% to say, yeah, I'm going to throw my name in the ring and apply for it. So diverse panels, diverse uh, slates. Yeah, that's great.
0: Indeed. One thing that uh, Danny mentioned about uh, different credit limits for men and women, and I imagine the men are getting the higher credit limits, When what we've seen with the data from financial planning and risk profiling that women are more conservative and more risk-averse. Mm-hmm. So there are these firms who are giving higher credit limits to men because the men are actually not doing a very good job. If they only had the right data to show that.
5: Correct. Mm-hmm. Right. right.
0: So here you go. So let's hit another question here. Let's talk about best practices around talent development. Christina, do you have some thoughts on how we can improve talent development?
3: Yeah, I think um, I do. And I was just going to add to the previous conversation. I think it's, you know, we talk about this as a uh, industry problem. And I think the shift that we all have to realize is it's our problem. And every one of our roles, no matter where we are, it's our problem to figure out how to solve. And so I think when you internalize it, you just approach it a little bit differently. And I agree that there's lots of um, best practices that you can apply that aren't, you know, it isn't overwhelming to do think about creating a panel and not just having people. It's not just about men and women, it's about diversity of of all types. Um, I think that on the the talent development side, one of the things that we actually did a study on that I wanted to share um, at our Lead Advisor Summit is we asked folks what is their number one challenge in running their business. And for the third year in a row that we've been asking this, they said attracting and retaining talent. So, okay, we all agree that that's a challenge. The question to your point is, how do we fix it? Well, we asked them, you know, do you have any formal programs in place to measure diversity, to uh, look at attracting talent from different schools or universities? Do you, to your point, Lisa, do you look at a diverse slate of candidates? And only 40% of the people actually had those, those practices. So in my view, those are like the steps that you can take that aren't fundamentally you know, too, too um, aspirational that can, that can move the needle. But you need some things programmatically in place. To your point, Suzanne, you can't just say, you know what, I want to change the outcome without changing any of the steps along the way.
1: Well, and Christina, I love what you're saying about you need to take it on you know, personally and personal accountability because um, at Schwab, we have a similar um, approach of making sure we have a diverse panel. And I will say, you know, it, it does take work and commitment to do that as a hiring manager. You, you have to really make sure that you're getting those diverse applicants and that you are you know, taking it seriously.
0: And now it's time to take a break from the podcast for my favorite part, which is a sponsor. And the sponsor of this episode is the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. Uh, This is a nonprofit that recognizes financial advisors for their exceptional charitable work. The nominations window for their 14th annual Invest in Others Awards is now open. If you know of a financial advisor who is actively giving back to his community or a community overseas, nominate them at www.investinothers.org forward slash nominate by April 3rd. And if you're an advisor and you'd like to have a chance at some additional funding for your charity or nonprofit, feel free to self-nominate, uh, again, at the same URL. The finalists in the awards, uh, the annual awards, receive $10,000 each. So every finalist gets $10,000. And the winners of each category, I think there are five or six different categories, each winner receives between forty dollars and $50,000 for their nonprofit. It's awesome. Uh, if you're firm... Is interested in sponsoring the awards gala, be sure to check out the sponsorship opportunities on the IOI Invest in Others website. Personally, I have attended the gala the past two years, and it's an incredible event uh, held in Boston with nearly 700 financial professionals all coming together to celebrate the generosity of their own advisors. It's a great way to highlight the good that exists in our industry. Uh, please go to investinothers.org. Yeah, back to the thing about uh, applications where men will say, I'll just take a shot and women will say, well, I don't meet all the requirements. Things, going back a step, so why is that? Is that because of how boys and girls are raised differently or is it just an in, innate sense of how men and women act because of evolution?
2: Hmm. Um, let's put on our behavioral finance hacks. I mean, I think it really depends. and I don't know if any of us have the exact answer for it, but every person, every woman that I've ever spoken to uh, about this topic and spe- specifically, all has felt the same exact way that like, yeah, I, I don't want to put my hat in the ring for something unless I feel like I can really deliver and do a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is consistent. So I don't know like why it's like yeah. that. It just, there's not anyone, any one woman that I've ever spoken to that hasn't indicated yeah. that that was like mm-hmm. the way that she felt.
5: Right. <laughs> and I, I think there might, there might be some truth to it coming from how boys and girls traditionally were raised. Because if you think about, you know, the, boys will be boys, quote, when they're outside and they're about to take a risk, right? They're about to climb a tree. Um, If you think about a mother watching or a father watching their son or daughter climb a tree, who's going to be told to be more careful? Who's going to be told to fear getting their face scratched or getting their knees scratched? It's usually and typically in a traditional sense the the female who's told to be, be worried, be scared, and be more careful when taking risks. And... We see that even today I got um, I'm a, a softball player I played soft, softball in college and I recently um, went to a youth softball game and I was very surprised that every female pitcher in softball now has to wear a face mask when they're pitching but men don't so this is a uh, hmm. behavior and even though the softball it travels slower than a hardball does when it comes off the bat it still so hurts. really it's a but it's, it's perpetuating the idea, though, that, that women should just be more careful and protect themselves more, and that's sort of um, the, way that, the way that we were raised. Last
0: time I checked, men and women both have faces. (laughs) They do. So, should they both be protected?
4: (laughs) They should. Hey, Craig, can I just go back to the talent for one minute? Absolutely, Uh, you can jump right in. Thank you. So, we've been talking a lot about uh, attracting Mm -hmm. and hiring, but it's really important. I think the numbers of bringing women in are actually starting to be pretty good. If you look at entry level positions, it's developing and retaining those women as you get higher up into the organization. So, things like explicitly making sure that part of your leadership development program has diverse candidates as part of that and I think we're seeing a real payoff there so we have a mandate to have 40% of our leadership spots go to diverse candidates and then no surprise 40% of our high potential associates are actually diverse so I, I but think you have it's, to make an effort it's the recruitment. It's because you, you have to get them in the door. That you absolutely have, do.
0: You can't wait. You can say, "Well, we made it open. We made it a fair process." You still have to go out and recruit. You do, right.
5: and okay. recruiting is hard for um, a diverse candidate because you want to look at. The group of people you're about to work with or spend so much time with and you want at least some of them to look like you so Great. i know i was at um Penn at wharton and they have this sign all over the campus that says it's not a picture of us unless it's, unless it's a picture of all of us and i didn't i really didn't know what it meant and it took me a couple of times walking past it and then i started looking at pictures that people were posting of con- of conferences and i looked at these pictures and i said oh i understand what it means now because when i see a picture of that conference do i as a hispanic female want to am i do i want to be a part of that group is there anybody in that group who looks like me. And so I think recruiting is very important, but it's also you have to um, give a give a place where somebody is going to feel like they belong. And I think we use the terms like diversity
3: and inclusion, and so it's not about the number. It's not just about meeting a number, right? The inclusive part. And so we talk about um, the, the balance between being authentic, right? So gender and any other diversity. You have to be authentic, But you also have to assimilate into the culture, and it has to be one of inclusivity. And so I think, you know, we have two challenges. We have to to attract the talent. We have to retain the talent. We have to make sure that it's diverse in all ways and definitions. But in some cases, the even harder part is once you've gotten that, and it goes back to the retention, Mm -hmm. is you have to actually be listening to them. Because those studies that tie diversity to better business results, you have the little fine print is mm-hmm. and it must be an inclusive culture where you actually hear the different ideas exactly. and not kind of say we, you know you, you don't filter them out
0: because we've yeah. heard of the high profile cases I don't have to name anywhere. people who were diverse quit whatever that was because mm-hmm. they, they, their voices weren't being heard they felt they were, just taught, they were there mm-hmm. to be diverse yeah it's like one of the being,
2: number one reasons that yeah. people leave is because of poor culture mm-hmm. um, one of the things that I instituted um, with my former team was you know again going back to that change you want to change the outcome you have to change the strategy leading to that outcome and so uh... we started to interview candidates in groups and not just the hiring manager and made sure that we had next-gen talent somebody in in a lot of cases that was never even a hiring manager be part of that actual interview process so when when you're hiring Um, new candidates to come in to make sure that you have a representation, a diverse representation of who your employee base is so that the person that's interviewing can really see who you are as an organization and a culture, not just from the hiring manager. Yeah. So it's it, just like a best practice.
4: I think it goes to what Christina said, which is, you know, it, it's not really about programs. Programs are great and they move the needle, but it's about culture and, and really setting the, the cultural mandate and making it part of the DNA of an organization that diversity and inclusion importantly Is really important so one of the things that we did at Fidelity was a couple years ago we mandated that everyone attend safe and respectful workplace training and it wasn't a video that you could kind of fast forward and check the (laughs) box not that anyone would ever do that those videos are good Um, but it was an in-person training every associate went through it 20 people in a room outside facilitators ran the programs and and we had really interesting dialogues around scenarios and were they red like red card stop stop not a good one or yellow or green so two years later interesting we will often be in a meeting or be in a conversation and somebody will say something and someone will go a oh, red card and it's it's sort of funny and we laugh a little bit but it really means that it's stuck with us and we recognize when somebody says something that isn't necessarily inclusive and I think that's how you start to change the culture.
1: Well I think sponsorship is key too you know both of you talked about sponsorship and I think to me that's another key part of the inclusive workplace once the talent is in is you need to make sure that we are sponsoring those people make sure they have a that we're hearing them we're hearing their concerns they have a path Um, and so that it doesn't just get stuck you know at the at the entry levels but they have a clear promotion path
0: work their way up yeah like the, the, the message is to go up the food chain to the right people.
1: yeah and i think when you're first developing a diversity program too and maybe you're not not at the divert you're not as diverse as you want to be it really does take direct sponsorship at a senior level to make mm-hmm. sure that there's visibility and that the, that you know there's clear opportunities and that works
0: like any program we, we work with some of the biggest broker dealers in the country and we tell them whatever you're implementing has got to come from the top down you that's can't right. expect mm-hmm. the bottom-up to just do things you want them to do because they're busy with their day jobs, and that's, all, that's what they're most more focused on. If you want to change whatever it is, if it's a program, if it's software, or it's uh, how you interact with your coworkers, it's got to be from the top down. So, yeah, totally agree. One thing that you mentioned always, is a programs versus culture. So it's easy to start a program. Boom, oh, I start a program. Good, here we go. But it's hard to change a culture. And it's even harder to measure that. So, do you have any, anybody any, want to jump in? How do you measure if you're making progress towards changing your culture?
1: Um, well, one thing we do um, at Schwab is frequent uh, pulse surveys, where we, you know, we try to check in anonymous surveys to check in on how um, team members are feeling. Um, you know, but then I, I think nothing can really exchange. Nothing can really take the place of person-to-person conversations. Um, And I think it's particularly important for people who are in a leadership position to really know their team members and particularly to reach out to people who might be in more of a minority population and understand where
4: they are. Um, I I think nothing can really replace that. I do do think there are measures, right? I think there are explicit measures. exactly. So if you look at hiring results... That's a measure. If you look at promotions across a cohort of like associates, that's a measure. And, and it's important And we do measure because what you measure, you manage.
0: If you can't, you can't measure it, you can't manage it. So.
4: And even just with smaller companies, you know, like
2: a lot of you, you all work at large companies. If you're an advisor that's listening to this, um, I think you can you can tell by one-on-one conversations. But I think overall, from the culture standpoint, it's... Are you providing a safe place? And I mean safe by can you bring your true self to work? Can you feel comfortable about what you are, what you are, who you are, what you're about, what you stand for, no matter what? And that, from what you were saying too, Craig, that all starts at the top. You can tell very easily by, you know, why are people leaving your organization? Are they leaving your organization, right? And if you see that pattern, then that's something that you better... Recognize, um, And if you are a leader, make sure that you have a really great right hand that can always tell you something that you may not want to hear.
0: And you think firms, I mean, we're all with pretty big firms here, right? So mm-hmm. what about a farm system or some sort of way to develop talent? That go, go into colleges, go into high school, you know, push it down to lower levels to start the encouragement there, rather than waiting for, once they're adults and they're doing applications, it's very different than, let's go back to high school and see how we can change that that bias. Yeah. Any thoughts on that? Yeah,
4: absolutely. I mean, I, I, I would guess that I'm going to speak for all. So we no, do, don't speak for all. Do, so. Okay, I'm just speaking for myself. <laughs> <if> <laughs> um, we absolutely go Everyone has to, their own voice here. to high schools um, and we run summer programs where we bring in high school students and make sure they're aware of financial services as a very vibrant mm-hmm. and relevant um, career as well as technology. We go and meet, cohort, go and meet associates where they are. So organizations like Grace Hopper. So if you're looking to recruit women in technology, you go to where they are and you go there. What was there. that organization? Grace Hopper. Grace Hopper. Um, another thing that we're doing is returnship programs. So it's expensive to bring somebody on, right? To hire somebody to train them and get them up to speed. There are examples where people leave the career force often, and not exclusively, but often women leaving to have a family. We have a formal returnship program where we bring them back in when they're ready to re-enter the workforce. We think about um, women in technology. We have a WITSIG Women in Technology Special Interest Group. They run programs, Girls Who Code. They go out and participate in Girls Who Code programs and bring their daughters to work, things like that. So it's absolutely tapping into the pipeline before it's actually a pipeline.
3: I also was just going to add, I think going back to artificial intelligence, and maybe this is happening and I don't know yet, but to think about how I'm fascinated by a resume that could be uh, represent things that someone is interested in or like um, not specific careers right but the types of activities like, the types of things they excel at and being able to match that almost like you used to take a test to say what career would be best for you but you know I like I never came out that I would be in technology or project manager anything I've done it never came out um, so I don't, there must have been something wrong with the one I took But I like the idea of, in addition to educating, having a more um, mature way to expose people to jobs that they just never would have considered. And in Mm -hmm. firms like all of ours, there are roles that are tech and marketing. I mean, you can pretty much do anything Mm -hmm. within the same company, which I think is really cool. I just Mm -hmm. don't think that everyone knows and realizes what they're good at could be a perfect fit for said
0: job. And Pershing was especially good at it when they moved you around. Like When we met, you were a project manager Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Back to move in the day. Yes. To organizations <laughs> and grow and, and experience different parts of the, of the company, yep. which helped you, you know, get to where you are today. And
2: that's a great point about what Lisa was saying about allyship. So Mark Diversion is your boss, and you know, somebody that's been a supporter. And again, more like sponsor. Yeah. Yes, um, s- supporter, sponsor, um, mentor, probably all three. <laughs> um, but how important that is, right? Like this isn't just women for women, and this is about everyone, right? And I think that's a really important thing that's why these these conversations need to be had at these kind of conferences. It needs to be center stage, main stage, um, and not you know, a breakout session on the last day of a conference.
5: <laughs> totally agree. There we can't do it all on our own. There's simply not enough of us yet. There's not enough of us in the industry, there's definitely not enough of us at the top. So we need that allyship so they can reach down and kind of help pull us forward. And at the same time, you know, we we will push other women. Forward to. Yeah, and
4: I think that's a really important one, Danny. It's not just about men pulling, right? It's about every leader recognizing the challenges of underrepresented groups and helping to advance them in order to achieve more diversity. Yeah, maybe a little
0: affirmative action at the next conference. Maybe let's have 80% of the panel's all women and then have some token men sprinkled in. <laughs> no manals? I can't imagine. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we're... Excited for your, your session, uh, ladies, which is coming up soon. Any final thoughts, anybody? Thanks for having
3: Thanks us. Thanks for having yes. us. Yes. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Thanks
2: for giving us this platform. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's important, and we want this to. We want things like this to be able to create change, and it's a great industry to be a part of. And we just want more people to come into it.